Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It is finally here. I can't wait to speak the first message to this series, All I Want for Christmas. But before we go, that James said I was going to quickly talk about next week. I want to let you know about next week. But, but also want to just, I want to thank you again. This has been some weeks leading up to Christmas and then headed into the offering next week. A, a really, how could I say, um, it, it shows what kind of church One Hope is. Generosity is, I think, at a core of our DNA as a church. It was, it, it, for years, beyond me being the pastor here, it, this church has always been such a giving church. It's, it starts with, with Love Tree in November, and, and after Sunday we'll be up to like 160 um, kids and families that you guys will be investing in this Christmas. And then a couple weeks ago, we had Global Impact Sunday. We talked about what are we going to do beyond these walls into our world, and, and you guys are giving. And, and then next week, we do have the Christmas offering. And so if you're new, if this is kind of your first Christmas season with us, basically, as a church, we operate on a 51-week budget, not 52 Okay, because we want to live and model generosity, and so we give away this one offering along with all the other things that we do. Well, how this works is you're able to submit um, requests using the Welcome Centers, using our um, online app, things like that, um, for people that you know could use a touch of hope this Christmas. And also, we um, have organizations that we're going to give to, but the big thing that people always look forward to every year is Scott. Where's one-third of this offering going? Where, what organization are we going to invest in deeply this year to help? And so this year's one is one maybe you haven't even heard about yet. It was a couple months ago talking to a friend, and um, she works in Gadsden, and she said, Scott, have you heard about the Freedom Farm? I said, no, tell me about the Freedom Farm. She said, Scott, it's coming to Tuscaloosa County. It's going to be in Coker, and it's a partner or affiliate to the Big Oak Ranch that's over in Gadsden. And I thought, this is something that our church would love, love to be a part of. It is in the process right now of like digging into the ground, getting their buildings built. And we're on the front end of helping the Freedom Farm to be able to meet the needs of kids who are really struggling, who have fallen through cracks, who, who don't have a, a solid family dynamic because of whatever reason. If you know the work of the Big Oak Ranch, you know this is a big deal that's coming to our community, and so we want to be on the front end of investing in them. So uh, Dr. Johnny Waits, who is the one that is spearheading this, and he's got his board, and he's got his people, and they've got, he's going to be here next week, and we're going to invite him on stage, and we're going to pray over him. We're going to pray over this ministry as we are able to help financially, but also prayerfully support this ministry. So I hope you'll be excited for that. It's a great thing, and I'm sure in the community you'll start hearing more and more as this becomes part of what Tuscaloosa Tuscaloosa County is able to do and invest in these kids. So let's go. The year was 1944. There's a guy named Donald Gardner. He asked his kids in his music class a really important question that year. He said to them, what do you guys want for Christmas? As they began to answer this question going around the room, he began to notice something. 
most of these kids were missing one of their front teeth. He could tell by how they were answering the question. He could hear it in their speech. And that day, he sat down and he wrote the famous song in 30 minutes, All I Want for Christmas. And we know the answer to that statement, right? My two front teeth. 80 years later, we're still hearing this song every Christmas. It was 1994. Another version of this song was sung written by a famous Mariah Carey. Now, I was asked, as people saw the title of this series, was Scott going to give a performance of this song? That's a hard pass. But we know this song. We, we sing this song. We hear this song. It's everywhere, every Christmas. This song is so popular by the year 2017, it already made $60 million in royalties. Why? Why is it so popular? Because there's something in all of us that we have a desire, a hope. All we want for Christmas is fill in the blank. I mean, think back to when you were five, six, seven years old. Think back to, to what it felt like leading up to Christmas. Think back what it was like to make your Christmas wish list. Think back. Think back. Can you remember a year where you wrote something down and you just prayed and you just prayed and you just prayed that this gift would be under the tree. Think back. Can you remember what it's like to be filled with hope for Christmas? Can you remember what it's like to walk down the stairs or out of your room into where your Christmas tree was and guess what is under the tree in each of those boxes? See, when you're young, Christmas is so much fun. There's so much energy, there's so much excitement, because when you're young, you believe that there can be miracles at Christmas. What you hope for can actually happen. But what happens when you get older? Christmas changes a little bit, right? You have kids, and it's no longer about you anymore. It's about seeing the faces of your kids and how they find the joy uh, that Christmas morning, or, it's, or it's you, have, you have family, or you, now you have grandkids, you have friends, and, and it becomes less about you, more about others. But I would make the argument, hear me, I would make the argument, there's a little kid still in all of us, that we all have something we would like for Christmas. So my question this year is, what is that for you? What would you want you're hoping for in Christmas? Is there something you really want this year? And maybe this something isn't a thing. Maybe this year it isn't something that you can find in a box. Maybe for Christmas this year all you want is to feel loved or valued again. Maybe all you want for Christmas is to see that person that's been gone for quite some time, someone that you've been disconnected to. Maybe all you want for Christmas is to feel less stress, less anger, less frustration, 
you'd like to feel a purpose for your life, maybe for Christmas. Honestly, you just like to feel like you believe in God again the way you once used to. Maybe all you want for Christmas looks more like a miracle than it looks like something in a box. Maybe what you want for Christmas will not be written on a list. But if we slow down long enough, there's something inside of us that we really want this Christmas. And if this is the case for you, then I'll say you're not alone. You're not alone today, and you're not alone in the history of people. See, when I look back on what is now the Christmas story, I see there's a group of people who were longing, who were hoping for something at Christmas time. And this is where we see the famous words of Christmas in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Let me read it for you. Famous words. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem in the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now stop there. You probably know the context around this story, right? This is not a new story. You know the context, but just make sure we're on the same page. It's in this moment. What was happening is the Roman leadership was taking a census. Why? Because they needed to get their money. This is a money situation. See, this move is all about power and taxes. This is the world that the Jewish people lived in. The Rome dominated, and, and they were about exerting their power, and one of the biggest ways they could exert their power was to take someone's money through taxes. They dominated, you lost if you were a Jewish person. And so at this moment, they're writing from the standpoint of they're tired of this kind of life. They were tired of being taken advantage of. They're tired of it being unfair and how they're beaten and they're abused. And in this moment may have been their moment of the greatest desperation. You know why? Because not only were they under the foot of the Romans being dominated, but it had been quite some time since they'd really seen, heard, experienced a move of God. See, if you remember, if you look at this story, you know that from the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament are 400 years. A gap of where it felt like, God, where are you? A gap of feeling, God, why haven't I seen, experienced, like you just feel very distant and this is where they are in the story. So what it left them was to sit in a place of desperation, hoping, wishing, they're praying, 
The, the Messiah will come and rescue them, the, come and save them. This is the context that wraps around this Christmas story. This is the world that this story is written in. And so what we see is Mary and Joseph, they head to Bethlehem for this census because they have to go, and this is when Jesus is born. Now, we all also know that the way Jesus was born was not the way it was supposed to happen. And that's where our story continues, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see what this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. Now the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So listen, you know this story, right? Like, this is a story we read most Christmas. This is what I'm going to ask for you, from you. This Christmas, will you not let the familiarity of the story take away from how incredible this story really is? And what I want you to do is I want you to take a seat in the seat of a shepherd. Can you leave where you're sitting now and try to imagine what it's like, as we read this, where, what a shepherd's life would be like? Verse 8, it simply says, there were shepherds in the field nearby watching their flock at night. What is Luke trying to tell us in him writing this? The shepherds were doing what shepherds were always doing. I think he's saying shepherds were what? Being shepherds. Nothing spectacular, nothing impressive. They were just doing life as they always did. See, that night, not many people would be thinking about the shepherds because there wasn't much to think about. They weren't important people. They had no power. People didn't need them for their own personal gain, so they were kind of just away from culture. They were just normal. They were forgotten. They were culturally insignificant. They were uneducated. They were just smelly, hardworking people that spent most of their time outside of where the regular life would happen, where the action really would have been. Now, I obviously don't know these shepherds, right? But I have to believe, even though they were are probably on the bottom of the social spectrum, the social, like, platform, they're probably at the bottom, it doesn't mean that they didn't have hopes and dreams. 
They didn't mean they didn't have dreams like the other Jewish people, where they were wishing the Messiah would come. They were wishing for the world to change. They were wishing for their future to change. Just because they were in that standing didn't mean they didn't have all these longings. They were people who had hopes as well. But the problem is, to be a shepherd meant they would be on the outside looking in most often. See, whatever, whenever something was going to happen, it was going to happen somewhere else to some other people. This is the life of the shepherd that Luke is talking about. So this week, I'm looking at this Christmas story, this part of it, and I'm trying to wrap my mind around. I'm trying to jump into the story. You can't understand Scripture unless you can jump really into it and figure out what it looks like, what it feels like. So I thought, what would that moment have been like for the shepherds? How do I feel the difference between regular or or important people versus shepherds? And I thought about an experience I just had that maybe you saw on my social media page recently. It was November 20th, Arkansas versus Alabama. And I had the pleasure of experiencing Alabama football in a way that I'd never experienced it before. It was the morning of the game. And and I woke up like I always would have. Put on the clothes, get ready, go out, drive, park, start walking. I'd done this many times before, but the difference on November 20th was this lanyard. This lanyard. My day changed when I put on this lanyard. See, by putting on this lanyard meant that I could walk up to the recruiting area and a gentleman would stand up, he would open a door and say, welcome, I hope you have a good day. With this lanyard, I'm able to walk in with the recruits and say, I would like something to eat, and they would give me some food. It was with this lanyard, I'm able to walk down the back steps where the recruits walk. I was able to walk onto the field level. I was able, because of this lanyard, walk out the tunnel where Saban and the crew would walk out. Because of this lanyard, I'm able to walk out on the field and be where these huge human beings are. You forget how big they are till you stand shoulder to shoulder. Because of this lanyard, I turned from regular Scott to Scott with access and position. Because of this lanyard, I'm walking out and I'm seeing people look at me. They're wondering, why is he down there and why am I in my seat? Because of this lanyard, I'm starting to get texts from people. Because this lanyard... Uh, I saw some buddies outside the gate, like schmucks, right? They're outside the gate. And they're like, Scott, jokingly, are they recruiting Jackson? I said, I'm the one that got four years eligibility. Let's go, you know? Like, this is what's happening in this moment. I'm telling you this story. Because Through this lanyard, I'm able to experience a different kind of life. A life I'm not going to say no to if offered again, right? But I'm experiencing a different kind of life. I tell you this quick story because the shepherds, they didn't have a lanyard for life. 
The shepherds did not have a lanyard for life. If they were at the game, they're at the top seats for the game where we know a lot of the tickets are given away to because people don't want to go. This is the game that they're at. So we've got Luke telling this story. The shepherds are in the field watching their sheep by night. They knew their role in life. You get what it feels like to be a shepherd. But one of the most amazing parts of this Christmas story happens when Luke chapter 2 verse 8 happens. Because God did something through Jesus that changed everything in how the world works. See, God did something through Jesus where he didn't come and make his entry known through the elite and the powerful, but through the normal. In Jesus' coming, his entry was not through the uh, people with prestige and clout. The people who had the special lanyard for life. No, God changed everything. God changes everything. When Jesus came, when the first people to find out and to do something about it were the simple shepherds. This isn't how it's supposed to work. Luke chapter 2 verse 8 changes everything. This is not how it's supposed to work. See, in God telling the shepherds first, there's a culture shift in life. It was in this moment that the insignificant and the significant collided. It was in this moment where the world's most unimportant met the world's most important in life. I mean, think about it this way. If there was breaking news about the coming of Jesus, and it was the biggest news story of the year, normally this would have been like the national news got this. The story would be had by the people who knew other people. It would have been had by the people who had the prestige in the world. No, in this case, it's the small town newspaper that gets it. The little guy gets the interview. The little guy gets the break. This is what's happening in this story. This wasn't how it was supposed to work. But in Jesus, everything changes. And in Jesus, everything changes. People who seemed unimportant were all of a sudden important. People who had been forgotten all of a sudden remembered. People who had less value all of a sudden carried deep value in the kingdom of God. This is the story of Jesus. And I say it's a culture shift because it wasn't a one-time event. It was literally how the world changed, how culture completely changed. And we begin to see this over and over and over in Jesus' life. That he was going to do things differently. I mean, think about this. So when Jesus comes, he is born. The pronouncement is made to the shepherds. We just read that. 30 years later, and another announcement is going to be made. That announcement is that the ministry of Jesus is about to happen. And who did Jesus tell this amazing news to? Do you remember? The woman at the well. 30 years later. He's pronounced to the shepherds. Now he meets this outcast woman at the well in the middle of the day. And he tells her who he is. 
she believes, and then she goes and tells the world how Jesus was going to operate was different than anything else the world had experienced before. And so today, as we begin this conversation about Christmas, I wanted us to see something powerful in the Christmas story. It's not just that Jesus came. That, that is amazing. But it's not just that he came, it's how and who he came to that is really an important part we can't skip over. Jesus coming and the shepherds hearing it first meant that things were going to operate differently in the world. Jesus was coming for and was going to change the world through, the, through people that had always been forgotten, had always been insignificant, who always had just been normal, everyday people. This may seem normal to you. This may seem an afterthought to do. You know why? Because you know the end of the story. But if you're a shepherd in the middle of this, this is changing everything. If you're a normal person in a world that's being dominated by the Romans, this is an important story to you. If you're living at that time and there had been this huge gap between the move of God in your life and all of a sudden this has happened, this is important. I said don't let the familiarity of the Christmas story allow you to forget how incredible this moment is. Jump into this story and realize how amazing this is. See, Jesus in this story now shows us that Jesus uses what is seemingly insignificant to do significant things in the world. This needs to grab a hold of us. See, the movement of Jesus has always been the big, bigger than the biggest people in the world. Jesus didn't need important people to do the work because he was important enough himself. Jesus didn't need the biggest breaking news announcement because he was going to do something different. He was going to change the world in a different way. How Jesus was going to change the world was through simple shepherds and outcast women. How Jesus was going to change the world was through regular people, not through systems in the world, but people, everyday people in the world. How Jesus was going to change the world was through the forgotten, through the unimportant, through the people who had almost been thrown away. That's how Jesus was going to change the world. I don't want this simple, powerful picture to be forgotten during Christmas. And so my question for you this morning is a simple one. How do you see yourself in light of this Christmas story? Do you ever see yourself as a shepherd? Do you ever see yourself as someone who's doing life, but not really doing anything great? I'm just doing life. Not particularly skilled, not particularly important, just you. Doing you things, 
Do you ever see yourself maybe feel like what the shepherd would have felt like? Do you feel more like regular Scott versus lanyard Scott? You sit in the regular seats. You do regular jobs. You have regular life. Regular parents, regular grandparents. Just regular people. If you do see yourself that way, then there's great news this Christmas that I think we're exactly who God intends us to be. We're exactly who God intends us to be and to use to make himself known in this world. See, your life, as insignificant as it feels, is exactly what God wants to use to bring hope to this world. This is where I want to begin the Christmas story. Your life, as insignificant as it feels, is exactly what God wants to use to bring hope into this world. See, this is what the Christmas story reminds me, and I hope it's going to remind you for your regular life. That we all have an invitation to be part of God's greater story of rescuing this world. This Christmas story is familiar, but it's just as true as the first time you've heard it. Probably deeper than the first time you've heard it. That we all have an invitation to be part of this bigger story, God's story of rescuing humanity. The question is, how do we respond to this invitation? Do you see how the shepherds responded to this invitation? It wasn't particularly spectacular. It wasn't particularly mind-blowing. It was pretty simple. See, the shepherd's response was simply this. They believed. They worshiped. And they went and told others. The shepherd's response to this invitation of God was they believed, they worshiped, and they went and told others. Look at their story. So they're up doing shepherd things. God comes Angels come, they're told about what's happening, and they had a choice in this. Do they believe this story? We know they believed because they left their fields, they left their hilly part of where they were with their shepherds. They went down into the city, the end of the town, and they saw what God had told them. They did believe. You see how they responded as they left. They left in glorifying, worshiping, praising God for everything they saw. And did you see in the middle of it, they went and just told people. This was their simple response to the Christmas story. Now what's cool is this. I didn't read the story of the woman at the well that we see in the Gospels. But the reason I bring her up, because I'm reading the story of Christmas, I'm reading the story of the shepherds, she is brought to my mind because if you read her story, you know that she had the exact same response. Jesus walks up to this woman He tells her who he is. She believes. Her response is to worship. 
And then she runs and goes and tells the city. This is why she's the first missionary, because Jesus shows her that he is the Messiah, the one they've been waiting for, the one that was going to change everything, the one that was going to speak not just the people up top, but the people at the very bottom. And so when Jesus explains this to her, her response is, this is what I've been waiting for. I believe in this. I'm going to worship you, and I'm going to run and tell other people. This is the response. This is the appropriate response. This should be our response during Christmas. I think this is what God is calling us to do in response. I think God is calling us to say, remember what the Christmas story is. Remember, this story is bigger than any other story that you find yourself in. I think sometimes we give ourselves to lesser stories. We give our attention to lesser things. We give ourselves to things that don't really matter. It's not just a Christmas thing, it's a life thing, but we know we do this right now. You're caught up in a lot of things at life, and maybe the Christmas story grabs a hold of you, rips you back into reality, and says there's a story that's bigger, and that you can be a part of this story. There's a really big story going on around us right now, and maybe God is calling us, speaking to us, trying to pull us into the biggest story of life versus where we give ourselves to much lesser stories. And so, maybe this will be us this Christmas. The simple question for you is, will you believe? Will you believe? Maybe that's something that you need this Christmas to believe and give yourself to the story of Jesus in a bigger way. Will, you live, will, will your life be defined by how you worship God through it? Not only will you believe, but will your life be defined in how you worship God through it? This is the response that's needed. Don't just believe. Believing is like the bottom shelf stuff. Will your life be transformed into how I worship God is how my life is defined. And then the third thing is, will you tell others about the good news of Jesus coming for us? Will you respond the same way that the shepherds responded? Will you respond the same way this woman responded when she met Jesus? Jesus is being put on your lap again this Christmas and saying, listen, this has been a, somewhat of a distracting year. This has been somewhat of a tough year. This has been somewhat of just chaos in your minds in a lot of places. Maybe the Christmas season can bring us all back into the reality of what really is going on, that we stop getting lost in the other and we get lost in the story of Jesus. That maybe this Christmas we get fascinated, we get inspired, we get excited, we get passionate about the story again of who Jesus is, what he has done, what he's going to do, that our life worships him, and that we can't help but just to speak this to the world. That there is hope and there is joy and there is peace. Everything found in Jesus. In the coming of Jesus, he is the one that's rescuing. He is the one that's saving. He is the one that has come. The thing you're looking for is not going to be under a box, under a tree. That is fine for the moment. But what you're looking for is something deeper. You do have a longing inside because we all have a longing inside. I don't care if you're a little kid or you're an adult. There's something that is in us that is crying out for something more, and that more is in the coming of Jesus to rescue all of us 
And maybe this Christmas we go, man, I've gotten distracted. Man, I've given myself to lesser things. Man, I've gotten caught up in stories I shouldn't get caught up in, and we're brought back into this. Maybe this Christmas will maybe get us out of the junk we found ourselves in. Do you feel a little bit that you're just in a mess? I think Jesus, the story of Jesus coming can take us out of this and saying, wow, I know this is familiar, but this is still incredible. See, y'all, Jesus is still changing the world. The best part is we get to be part of the story. Jesus is still changing the world. The best part is we get to be part of this story. You feel like you're insignificant? You're just regular? Fantastic. That's exactly who God has used. You don't have to be anything more than you are right now, but it's going to take you responding to this story in the way that I think we see is needed by people who are going to follow Jesus. We believe, we worship, and we speak it into the world. You can spend this whole Christmas season getting caught up in stuff. That's your choice. Do your thing. I just think there's a greater invitation. I think there's a life-changing invitation. Your life can change lives of people around you when you say, I believe this deep, 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 deep. I want my life to be a place of worship. I want to tell people what Jesus has done for me, who he is, that he is still changing lives. He is still coming, and he wants to change 2021 Tuscaloosa, wherever you find yourself. But how will you respond? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you, God, that it doesn't matter what's been going on in our life. If there has been a gap, if there's been a space between us and our relationship with you, you this Christmas are reminding us that you have shown up. You are here. You are the rescuer. You are the one that's come to save us. And God, we all we have to do is respond to you by believing in you once again, that you are everything. You have come, and later in your life, you have died, and you have rose again to give me new life. And God, if there's anybody either watching, listening, in this room who needs to believe today, God, I pray that you would just speak to their hearts, and they would just say, I believe in you. Jesus, thank you. I believe in your birth, and I believe in your death, and I believe in your resurrection. Thank you. But God, there's some people in here today who need to move past belief and need to live a life of worship. And one of the best ways we can worship you is to let the world know how incredible you are. May we be people this Christmas, God, who get lost in the story, get lost 
in this familiar story that can wow us again of what you've done and what you're still doing. Help us to respond appropriately. Help us to respond with passion. And God, may you change our life and use us to change others' lives because you have invited us, just regular, normal people, to be part of what you're doing in this earth. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.